Hi guys, welcome to Library Overload. This is Tavia. This is Susie. Don't forget to go check out our blog where we keep a list of all of the books that we talk about and that is just libraryoverload.home.blog and then also check us out on Instagram where we're a little more interactive and we are just Library Overload there. Hello, hello, and welcome to the final episode of October. This has been so much fun. Yes, we have had a blast doing our October spooky reads. Yes, so for this last week, we're going to talk about Frankenstein. We've got some thoughts, surprising no one. <laughs> and then we're going to give y'all as many books as we can think of to finish out your month of spooky reads, too. Yes, and... In a surprise turn of events, we have a guest with us today. We have Caitlin back. We love to just surprise her and you like, hey, be on the podcast. And she's so nice that she says yes every time. I believe it was promised last time I would get day of notice and they did hold true. <laughs> yeah, it was actually about um, 30 minutes before and I in I invited her over for lunch and I said, hey, uh, you want to be on the podcast when she got here? So, you know. <laughs> That happened, but it's always fun to have her in the recording studio with us. Yes, and um, one of us didn't finish Frankenstein, and so Caitlin will be happy to fill in Caitlin for one of us. Caitlin has read Frankenstein, so she has things to say. Frankenstein was my buddy read pick for the month of October. I was excited to give it a try because it's very quintessentially Halloween, and I was wanting to read a classic we were real excited to give it a go, but it may not have been what we were thinking it was going to be. I really wanted to like it because I wanted to support Mary Shelley so much. Yeah. And guys, I couldn't finish it. Like, I couldn't do it. She didn't. You, did you even get halfway? No, I only got 70 pages, and that's me trying to read every single day for the past week. And it's only like 180 pages to begin with. Guys, it was so bad. Like 200 pages, maybe something like that. Um, but it was a bit of a slog. And I will say, I listened to the majority of it on audio. And Audible has a narration that Dan Stevens does. And it was really a good production. So maybe if, if it's something that you want to at least hear the story of, maybe that's a way to, to enjoy it. Who's Dan Stevens? Um, he was in Downton Abbey. And he's also the Beast in the remake of Beauty and the Beast <gasps> with Emma Watson. Oh! Oh, okay. How cute. He is cute. And he's got that lovely British accent. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. fantastical. That makes so, everything better. Yes, he did help me um, get through this, but it was a bit of a slog, I'm not going to lie. The story itself was a bit daunting. What I found interesting was Mary Shelley's backstory and like the socioeconomic aspect of the story in relation to when it was written. So I found that that was really interesting. Can you talk to me more about the socioeconomic impact? Yeah, because she was very progressive in her writing, and she was a very, very liberal. So the original 1817 edition had to be re-edited in, in 1831 when they re-released it because it was so radical. It, like, startled people. 
So they rewrote, she took some of the conservative or some of the liberal views out of it. What was so liberal about it? Um, at the time, the emphasis on helping the underprivileged and the, the disparity between the classes was really a, a big focus. And that's something that she put a lot of weight on for the mother character hmm. and for uh, the Elizabeth character. And then even the treatment of the servant girl and how they were so nice to her and treated her like family. That was very, like, radical for the time. Okay. Would you it. like me to go on? That's it. That's all my thoughts on it. <laughs> That's all you have to say about the whole book. <laughs> I just, I found it to be like, where's the spelling? Can we go faster? Can we get to, can we get to the actual monster? And then, um, I'm not going to give y'all a spoiler warning because every single one of us knows about Frankenstein. But what annoyed me to no end was the fact that, so he creates the monster and what, so the day, the night that he creates the monster, he wakes up and the not, monster is at his bed. So it scares him. He runs off. He comes back home the next morning. Monster's gone. He's like, oh, good. Problem solved. And then he lives. He just lives for a couple of years and doesn't give any thought to he where the monster is. several months convalescing, getting over his, his illness, his fright. I, I found, and this, I think I exact phrase I text Caitlin, I found... Victor Frankenstein to be a whiny little bitch. Like, he whined the whole book. Yeah, I was not a fan of him at all. And the whole time I'm like, hey, dude, where's the monster? And he's like, it's gone. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Life is going great. I think my biggest thing with the book Frankenstein versus what everyone kind of knows about Frankenstein is that it's not remotely alike. No. Hollywood made in the 30s, I believe 1931 maybe, sometime around Dracula, made an um, uh, adaptation of the book and they took the makeup in the character of Frankenstein in an entirely different direction. In the book he actually is described as yellow and he has like, you can see his veins, it doesn't talk anything about the bolts in his head. He, that is a Hollywood creation. So Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is entirely different than the Hollywood Frankenstein, which I think was really interesting. I hate to be that person, but you know it's not Frankenstein. It's the monster. Yes, Frankenstein's monster. He actually calls him several things during the book. He calls him, he calls him the creature. I forget what else, but... I think I read Abomination at one point. Yeah, he, he, he does call him several things. I also think that the difference between the book and the movie, but I thought it was interesting. Um, and again, guys, this was written in 1818, so spoilers. <laughs> but the end, Frank, the monster kills him. And in the movie, the villagers kill Frankenstein, or kill the monster, which is definitely, I guess, it's a change, but I guess you want the monster to be defeated at the end of it. So... Okay, so I didn't finish it, but when you finally meet Frankenstein, was was he chasing the monster? Is that what was, like, ahead of him? Yes. Oh. So, that was the only thing that I was like, oh my god, that's cool. Yeah. Everything else was like... My, um, I struggled with, and I think it's a big thing that happened in literature at the time, but the framing she used for the story Ugh. is this... This man who's on a mission, he's going to go through the North Pole. Um, his name is Wal Walton. 
His last name is Walton, I think. No one cares. Um, and so the story opens up with a completely different story. And it's it's epistolary and it's being told as this guy writing to his sister about this stranger that he found and rescued. And then the stranger ends up being Frankenstein and tells you the story of his childhood, of the adopted sister that he ends up being in love with. In, in his going to school and then his creating of the monster and subsequently uh, immediately promptly leaving the monster to fend for itself. Um, and then we come back to him at the end and it's, a, it's a, a literary device they used a lot at the time, but I just think it detracts from the story. I don't, I didn't like it. I don't think it added anything. Mm. No, it was, it was so annoying to me to jump into this and it's like some random person writing letters to their sister and I was just like what what is what is this like this has nothing to do with what I'm trying to read mm -hmm. and then finally you get to like seriously like 20 pages of letters and then it's chapter one and I was like what is this garbage mm -hmm. like it was it was really distracting to me mm -hmm. and it it I, it took me out of the story because I was like this is not what I'm here for mm -hmm. this is not what I'm interested in and it just it it was nonsensical to me I do think that it's an interesting commentary on the fear of people in the 1800s, around 1818, about the rapid advancement of science and how it could be out of control. Because that was a legitimate fear at the time because the Industrial Revolution was happening. Things were really like... So she used that fear to create this story. And I thought that was interesting. I find it hilarious, though, that that was the fear in 1818. Like, what could they have possibly have created back then to take over the world? Like, now we fear the robot uprising yeah. um, or nuclear war. Yeah. But back then, like, what what was well, terrifying? Reanimation of corpses has always been a theme in history. So I guess, I mean, that really is terrifying. But I will tell you that the whole part of the... So the story is broken up. It's the, the letters of the, the explorer guy. Then it's Frankenstein's story. Then we go into a chunk where it's the creature's story and his narrative. And that depressed the heck out of me. It was so pitiful and sad. And this poor little monster just wanted to be loved. And he just wanted someone to love him, but he was so ugly. Nobody did. So then he got mad at humanity. And then we go back to Frankenstein and he's like, yeah, um, I'm sorry no one loves you, uh, but you're ugly. And, you know, I'm going to kill you. Um, I'm going to spend my life hunting you down now. But I just he just wanted someone to love him, man. I mean, I thought that was sad. I didn't even get to that part. Like, literally, mm -hmm. I'm still listening to Victor cry. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm, oh, That's another thing that was relevant and radical at the time is the family that the monster hides out in their little hovel and spies on. They were refugees from France. Um, and it was a political upheaval thing. And so that was very radical for her to have included in the novel. They thought that that was kind of like something that she shouldn't have touched on. She kind of should have stayed in her lane. Huh. Yeah, I didn't get to that part either. Mm -hmm. Also, after her death, her son went back and edited things into Victorian to make them more Victorian. 
Are we talking about Mary Shelley fun facts now? <laughs> yes, Caitlin, you can talk about Mary it's Shelley fun facts. It's the only reason Caitlin said yes. It really is. <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone knows that she kept her husband's heart in her desk and they found it after she died. I just, I have so many questions. Yeah. Well, let's back up and talk about her marriage, her, her romance, because she was 18 and she ran away with her lover who is Percy, Percy Bysshe Shelley, and he was married to another woman at the time. How old was he? Not much older than her. I think maybe in his 20s somewhere. But him and her ran away with her stepsister and her stepsister's lover, who was also married to someone else. Well, so they, they run away for a while. They're in Switzerland having a, having a fun time. And then finally, Shelley's wife commits suicide and frees them up to get married finally and then she does have several miscarriages and that's really sad and then Shelley uh Percy Shelley drowns fairly young he dies pretty young and she outlives him by several years so is it, it like 50 a, is it 50 years it's not 50 years but it was a very Hamilton. like Hamilton facts <laughs> It was a very short-lived romance in which they only had one surviving son. And I kind of feel like maybe it's karmic. I mean... Might be. I, you know, at least you did wait for his wife to kill herself. I mean, that's, you know... Yeah, that decency. was very kind of you. Couldn't have waited till she died of natural causes, but, you know, I mean... Hey, how about not run off with people's spouses? They're sad. So, talk to me... Um, Talk to me about Mary Shelley's timeline. Like, so she ran off with him when he, she was 18. Mm -hmm. Do you know how old she was when she wrote the book? It was right in that time. She ran off with him. I know um, she was young when she wrote it. Yeah, I, I think she was 20 when it was published. But they, they had ran off to Switzerland. And they were at this place with Lord Byron and her stepsister and then uh, her husband, he wasn't her husband at the time, but, and they all decided to have a, a contest type thing about ghost stories, about who could write the best ghost story. And that's when she came up with the idea for Frankenstein. Ugh. I mean, if Frankenstein was the winner, I don't know about all those other stories. <laughs> well, I don't think any of the other ones got published, so I don't think we'll, we'll never know. <laughs> but it is an interesting, you know, an interesting way for this story to have come about. No, she is far more interesting than her story. So sorry, Miss Shelley. I found it to be very tedious to get the the, the way that it was written. I, I felt like 90% of the words were not needed. And I feel like that's that's a lot. Like, that's a lot about most books that came out back then. It's just they used so many words and so much, like, superfluous crap. Mm -hmm. in books back then. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care about the Voyager's life on his boat mm -hmm. and hiring people to work on mm -hmm. the boats. And then, oh my God, there's a dude on the ice cap. Let's get him. And then we finally hear about Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it was just so much crap that wasn't necessary. That is my biggest problem with Wuthering Heights is that it spends so much time setting up the story before it tells you the story. Like, just get on with it. Moors, they're creepy. Got it. Next. That's all I know about Wuthering Heights is the Moors. Yeah. I mean, that's all the I know. The Moors. 
What was that? <laughs> it's Doctor Who. That's the way they say it on some of the episodes. It. <laughs> the Millers. Lord. So, Caitlin, do you remember? I know it's been a minute since you read it, but are your thoughts kind of the same as ours when you read it? Yeah, I went into it expecting it to be a whole lot different than it was, and it just didn't connect with me, I guess, because I had those expectations, mm-hmm. and I, it's not something that I would want to really, really get in, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I went into it just so excited because, like, she's the godmother of... What is it like sci-fi? Yeah, or like she creates the genre, the genre out of this gothic romance thing. She creates science fiction, and it's just like, get it, girl. Want to support you, but God, that story's terrible. Yeah, I, I, I did not care for it. Um, I didn't, I didn't like abhor it. Like I have hated other things in the past. I just didn't. I don't know. I I was expecting, you know, Frankenstein. You hear so many things about Frankenstein. It's the classic piece, but I was just very disappointed by it. I was going to give it two and a half stars, I think. I'm going to finish it just so I can say that I have read it. Mm -hmm. But there's no telling how many stars I'm going to give it. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, it it was real rough. So I am disappointed in that, especially because the, the the edition that I have is so beautiful. Is it? Doesn't yours have Frankenstein in it and then other works? It does. It has other works of hers and then it also has works from Byron and other gothic writers of the time. So it's a, it's a collected gothic set. Hmm. Yeah, I, um, I'm very disappointed. I also thought it was a cool copy because it had the preface to the original 18... 18- the original 1817 preface that Percy Shelley wrote, and then it had her revision of the 1831, where she kind of like dramatized the story of the invention of Frankenstein, and then talks about how she kind of changed up things a little bit. So I thought that was really cool too. I do enjoy all the different variations and the versions that you see everywhere. I have a fun one that's like a little mass market paperback, and it's... Um, Pulp Classics, and it's uh, Frankenstein in a biker jacket, and it says he was born on the wrong side of the lab. <laughs> That's oh my funny. God. I like it. Oh, also, he never goes, it's alive! I was waiting for that. I was disappointed. It never happened. Yeah, the movies always make him very, like, cartoonishly nefarious. Mm-hmm. Did you like those words I together? Did. It was really I good. I, I really liked it. Um... But no, like, it always makes him, like, you know, the, the mustache-twisting, cartoonish villain. Mad scientist. Yeah. Like Mickey. Gene Wilder in Young Frankenstein. Yeah, but no, he is just like, God, oh, shut up. Yeah, he was just so... And then he spends so much time in the novel whining about the fact that he created this monster that has ruined his life and he now has to destroy it. It's like, go, go do it. Like, action. Let's stop talking about it. Let's get out there and do it. And then every time he encounters the monster, he has to spend, like, two months recovering from his dramatic fright. (laughs) And his friends have to nurse him back to health, and it's really sad. Like, it just, you know. Get your life together, man. You know, just go. If if you're upset about the monster, go kill it. Like, let's quit talking about it and do it. Action. Yeah. The first time he sees it, after, like, two years of not even thinking about the thing, the first time he sees it, he just stands there and watches it walk away. And I'm like, bruh, like, go, 
go see what he's been up to. Yeah. Like, where's he been all this time? I do love the quote, though, and I was telling the girls about it. It's the quote towards the end that the monster says, Beware, I am fearless and therefore powerful. And I really did like that. That is a good one. Y'all lost me at Young Frankenstein because I'm over here going through all the quotes. Like, I cannot see the word werewolf without going werewolf. Their wolf. Their castle. <laughs> Can't do it. I like hair up there. <laughs> um, did you guys know that there is a Frankenstein castle in Ingolstadt? Or in, no, I, I think it's in Germany somewhere. I'm not sure, but. Tell me more. I can't. That's all I have. <laughs> I know there's a Dracula's castle. It's Bran Castle in Romania. Everybody <laughs> knows a that castle. Let's use the superior castle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use this moment to segue because I also have read Caitlin's favorite thing on the planet. Um, I'm not finished with it, full disclosure, but I have gotten about 50% into Dracula. And I don't hate it. She swore me to secrecy, but the secret is out. I know. I said, don't tell anybody. But it could be a combination of factors. It could be the fact that I'm just so grown up now. Um, but that's probably not it. Or... <laughs> I love how you just, you said it. Like, like you were 18 going, I'm just so, so grown up right now. So grown up. But it more than likely is the fact that I picked it up after I finished Frankenstein and it everything was going to be better than Frankenstein. Um, or it could be that it's a superior horror novel. It's, it's good. I'm really enjoying it. For some reason, it doesn't feel as daunting as it did the first time I picked it up. Like, Jonathan Harker's Journey to the Castle... I thought it took much longer the first time I tried to read it than it actually did. It really doesn't take all that long. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about published dates. So we know that Frankenstein came out in 1818. When did Dracula come out? 1896 or 1892. I can't oh, remember. that could be a big part of it. I think it was 96. I, I think it's 1896, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could just, you know, it had like 70-ish more years to simmer in the language. Like. Yes. You know what I would be interested to know? What is the first vampire novel in existence? I'm not sure off the top of my head. Because he didn't create the genre. No, but this one became like the, mm -hmm. you know, icon for it. Right. I don't know. I would be intrigued. If anyone knows that, you can let us know on Instagram. But I, I really am enjoying it. In surprisingly when you go to like goodreads and things it does not tell you a description of the story it tells you about the classicness of dracula or how this version is going to be different from that version i looked at a couple different ones and it doesn't give you like a blurb of the story so essentially jonathan harker goes to transylvania he's a solicitor which i love that word and he's oh, the woman in black the yeah. dude was a solicitor mm -hmm. and so he's uh, Count Dracula is going to buy a property in England and he is going to help settle his stuff. Well, then he becomes trapped in the castle, fearing for his life. And then Dracula, like, leaves and the story shifts to Mina in Europe. And her friend ends up being visited by a vampire. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. But we're going to essentially all get together with Dr. Van Helsing who's going to slay vampires 
and we're gonna go and kill Dracula. Oh my god, I had no idea all those things coexisted like in one mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't either. Yeah, that's what like it's hard to find an actual description of the book. Hmm. It's very interesting in the way it's written as well. Like I feel like the flow of it moves mm-hmm. very well because of the mm-hmm. way it's written. And, like, these segments, like, letters and journal entries, and, like, it makes the transitions feel Mm -hmm. more real. Yeah, it's epistolary, and it starts out with Jonathan Harker's journal, then we go to Mina's journal, and then there's also random newspaper articles strewn in the middle of it, like, this is what's happening in the seaside town, or this is what's happening in Budapest, or different things like that. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it was actually very interesting and I am enjoying it and I apologize for all of the things that I said before but apparently I'm just so grown up. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to get you to watch the movies. Yeah, Caitlin's Caitlin's love of Bella Lugosi is for real y'all. There's five of them in my bedroom. (laughs) You also have a Jeff Goldblum pillow that is so off-putting. It's startling. My room is a lot of fun. (laughs) I love Jeff Goldblum. I do too. <laughs> no, I do too, but I don't want to wake up to next to a shiny sequined version of him. That is the best type of Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> he like can stare at you for places. It's weird. I feel like that's not far off for Jeff Goldblum. Like I feel like it's accurate. <laughs> like he's always a shirt unbuttoned down to there. Like just his his chest out. Did y'all see him recreate the Jurassic Park scene? <gasps> no. He did. He recreated the scene like where he's like laying there on the table yes. like with the shirt open. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. All of these things that, that are being recreated right now, I'm living for them. It's, it's amazing. The only good thing about 2020. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so moral of the story is that we hated Frankenstein and Dracula rules. So there's that. If you're keeping score, Caitlin won. <laughs> yes. Happy and, dancing. And I do apologize. I, I, I really honestly can't pinpoint what it is about the second chance that I gave Dracula that made such a difference. I, it, again, it could be Frankenstein. It could be just I have read a lot more classics now than I did previously. I, I don't know, but I will no longer never give a book another chance. Yeah, no, I feel like it's it's a lot to do with we're older. It's a lot to do with the fact that we're really branching out in our reading. Like, it's just a whole lot of crap. Mm-hmm. Additionally, I also am listening to audio of it as well. And Tim Curry is Van Helsing. Oh! Mm-hmm. And Alan Cumming is Jonathan Harker. No, he's Dr. Seward. I forget, but it's really interesting. There's also a version on Audible where Tom Hiddleston plays Jonathan Harker. Oh. Also, can we go back to Curry? Does he do any, um, a jump to the left? Not in this one, I don't believe, because he's Van Helsing, but... (gasps) I believe you and I did that the last time I was on this podcast (laughs) as well. Every time I think of him, Mm -hmm. like, that's the time warp. Mm -hmm. I just, that's where I go. Do you guys, uh, did you watch Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah. You know, he did the um, Dracula musical with the puppets. And so anytime I hear Van Helsing, I think of that line, I swear to the Lord, I'll slay him. Okay, I don't remember that at all. I love I remember the actual movie plot, <laughs> well, not the whimsical little well, play. The, the guy, um, Jason Segel's character, his 
he's fired from, or the show gets canceled, and so he's looking for something to do, and he decides to write a musical of Dracula with puppets. Yeah. And, but it's, Dracula's, like, the good guy, and Dracula's gonna get Van Helsing, so it's funny. I believe there actually is a Dracula musical, and there's also a ballet. Well, that's pretty awesome. A ballet? Mm -hmm. Have you seen it? No, and I'm very sad about it. <laughs> that's funny. All right, well, we really enjoyed having Caitlin here with us for our Frankenstein commentary, but Susie and I are going to finish it up by ourselves with just some rapid-fire Halloween reads. Yes. I cannot tell you guys how many more I had. Like, there was yeah. just not enough time. There really wasn't. I have probably, like, I set up my little library card at home with all of the ones that I owned, and I still have, like, seven or eight. It, not including the library books. Like, That's funny. So I owned Dark Witch by Nora Roberts. I own, it's a trilogy, um, and I own the first two. I just grabbed them at a, probably the used bookstore. I've owned them for years. So I grabbed this, started it in betwixt my... Oh, I like that word. Thank you. In betwixt me ranting and raving about Frankenstein. It starts you in like 1600s Scotland. Ooh. And so it's this woman that's a dark witch and she uses up all of her powers to destroy the bad guy. And she sends her three children off with their own powers to make sure that, you know, the family line succeeds and the, the magical powers are passed on, blah, blah, blah. Well, then you get to current day and you meet Iona Sheehan and she lives in America, but she's of a Scottish heritage and she kind of learns a lot of stuff from her maternal grandmother about um, where she comes from and then when she starts to exhibit some powers, she speaks to her grandmother about it and come to find out she is a direct descendant of this oh. dark witch from cool. back then. So she literally drops everything and goes to Scotland, meets up with her cousins, Branna and Connor O'Dwyer, and they basically are like, well... You're the last one of us because so, there was always three. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been waiting for the third. Uh -huh. So she shows up and they're like, okay, we're good. Like, And so now it's like, are they about to battle this sorcerer? Like, what's going to happen? Really interesting. I find Iona a little, maybe a little, I don't even know what to call it. I guess immature because yeah. sometimes she'll go on these tangents. And I know it's a, it's a, a way to write her. But she'll go on these tangents where she, it's like she doesn't take a breath when she yeah. starts talking. Like, there's no periods. And so you're just going and going and going. And I'm like, could you just stop? Like, <laughs> just just a second. Mm -hmm. I need you to take a breath. Like, she's just a lot. Like, it's just a stream of consciousness yeah. with no... And then she'll eventually get down and she's like, I'm sorry, I'm just so nervous. I'm like, girl, I know. Like... <laughs> God, and so she's a smidge annoying. I gotcha. Um, but the story itself was really interesting, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Mm -hmm. So uh, stay tuned for that. So far, though, I'm, like, halfway through it. Mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting cool. so far. Yeah. Well, that's intriguing. Yes. I read some more Agatha Christie. <laughs> Are you guys shocked? How many Agathas have you read this month? I think this will be my fifth one. There are a finite amount of Agatha Christie's in the world. You have read 
a crap load of them already. She has so many books. I have not even made a dent in her back, what is it called? Backlog, back, backlist. That. There we go. Have you read the one about the giant wasp or the giant bee yet? The no, one I thought that Doctor was made Who? up for uh, Doctor Who. Oh, well, that's very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I wanted it to be real. Well, this week I read the ABC Murders, and it is another Hercule Poirot. It's set after the murder on the Orient Express. I forget which one it is. Maybe like 13 or 14. I can't remember. But um, it's a different take because it involves a serial killer. And most of hers are single incidents where it's like someone in the family or someone close to them has been the murderer in a small mm-hmm. little town or whatever. And this one is spread out over the course uh, or spread out over the country. So it's in all different locations. And Hercule Poirot and Hastings, his friend that does all of his story writing for him, they're in London. And Hercule starts getting letters that are taunting him, saying, I'm better than you. You're not a very good detective. I'm going to beat you. And they give the locations of where he's going to commit the murders, but not you know names or anything. And so he starts with Miss Asher in Andover. And then he goes to Betty Bernard in Bexhill. And so he's killing in alphabetical order. Oh, okay. I'm with you. Yeah. And then he's also leaving something called an ABC guide, which is a train map in England, or it was in the time. And it's called the ABC guide. So he leaves one of these at every crime scene, and he's killing people alphabetically. And before every letter, about a week before the murder, he'll send Poirot a letter taunting him about the location and how he's powerless to stop it. Wow. And it's pretty cool because this is a, a different take for her, for Poirot. And it's really intriguing. I'm not done with it because this week got away from us with Frankenstein. Lord. <laughs> Longest but, tiny book ever. Yes. But it is very interesting. And the only other Agatha Christie that I had that I didn't get to this month was Death on the Nile. Which is in Egypt where they're going to be on a cruise on the Nile. Are and there piranhas? I, I don't know. I don't know. Are there piranhas in the Nile? I think so. I knew there were crocodiles. Aren't there? Nope, that's in the Amazon. I was thinking Stupid. of... Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of uh, Anaconda. Oh. <laughs> Where did you go with that? What do you mean? What was the stupid? You're stupid. <laughs> you messed it up. You need to learn your geography. I'm sorry. The worst. But I am intrigued to see this one as well because this one, she actually remarries later in life, and he is like a an Egyptologist, or he he likes to go to Egypt or whatever. So she spends a lot of her later novels stuck um around that area Hmm. so i'm intrigued to see how the writing changes and evolves well that's cool yeah and caitlin brought me a present that is an agatha christie who's who and it's a book full of characters that are in agatha christie and there's like illustrations and full character descriptions and it's really cool and i will take pictures and show you guys that is really cool yeah you, she also brought you a couple other books that I'm excited for you to re- read as well. Yes. Another one that was on my list for Halloween is Rebecca that you recommended to me in our last matchmaking episode. 
um, which is really cool where this girl marries this rich guy and then ends up going back to his house, his mansion, and his wife's uh, ghost is kind of a hovering presence there. Yeah. I was going to read a book that you told me to, you recommended to me in our matchmaking episode, the one about Jean Bonnet. Mm -hmm. Didn't even get to it. It's a giant book. So oh, like, oh, I'm so mad. We really, I have read 12 books this, this month and I wanted to get to so many more. Yeah. It just isn't enough time. Not enough time. I think I ended up with 10. Yeah. Because, you know, this yeah. year is just not the year for me. Uh, Full-time jobs are the worst. Yes, they really are. They really get in the way of reading. They're and so then rude. also Frankenstein took up a chunk of time this mm -hmm. week. It was a slog. It really was. Yeah, I sat down this morning and I was like, okay, I'm going to finish it. It's going to be great. And I got through 30 pages. Like, it's it's just so hard. It's like, so flourish he's so worried and he's so and then you have to give me you have to give me way more time to just sit there and be like god you're so stupid yeah. but i did i did want to give it a try i'm mm -hmm. glad that we did because at least we can say we read that yeah i can say it i don't know what you can say i will eventually finish it and i will be able to say that mm -hmm. um, i feel like you can read like maybe like 10 pages at a time and then you're just like oh my gosh yeah no that's really it like it's just it's such a slog and if you guys have a different opinion please let us know i would love to know what you find fascinating about it or what you thought about it that you know maybe changes our minds about it yes please additionally for october reads i also have checked out and have read about 10 pages of A Discovery of Witches. And I'm really interested to get into it, but it's huge. It's it almost like 600 book. pages. It is a big book, yeah. But it's really cool thus far, the 10 pages that I've read. Um, so I want to get to that one. And I want to get to Blood and Honey. It just hasn't happened yet. I started Blood and Honey, but I think I'm going to have to reread Serpent and Dove. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. Like, a lot of what happened. Yeah, I like, I remember the wrong. main plot, but, like, mm -hmm. not the little things that you want to remember. Right. So, I think I'm going to hang on to that one for a while and maybe reread next time we take a break or something. Yeah. Um, I, I tallied all of the sequels that I have to finish for, for book series. There's, like, eight or nine of them. Eight. Yeah. Are you going to, like, start the series over and try to, like, just go straight through them? No, I don't or? think so. I think that would put me back in the kind of the same position. <laughs> <laughs> but I have several series that I want to get finished. So maybe that'll be, like, the the goal of our winter break. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to work through Harry Potter. Like, I've been so ex I Harry Potter is the one that I'm reading with Chris, and mm -hmm. so we only read it at night, like right before bed. And I've been, like, so exhausted recently, I'm like, we'll read tomorrow. <laughs> and then the next day and the next day. But There's been a lot of stuff going on, especially mm -hmm. for you lately. Yeah, I've had a big month. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to, I'm going to keep reading. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to finish everything that I'm in the middle of this coming up week yeah. so that November I can start fresh mm -hmm. some more great books there's so much to read yeah. there there have been so many exciting books to come out yes. recently I recently got um Christopher Paulini's new book to sleep in a sea of stars and I'm just like dying dying yeah. to read it and it has a lot of appendices doesn't it did we talk about it, that it has multiple that's amazing and I'm very excited because I I am very sure that I, I spoke in depth 
and I don't remember what book I was complaining about. Oh, bone skeleton. The bone, bone <laughs> the keeper. bone skeleton. The bone. The, what is it called? The bone house. That one <laughs> with bone goat. <laughs> A bone skeleton is very redundant. <laughs> that one with the bones yes that annoyed me greatly so I am so pleased that at least one author has listened to me but he has to do that because the worlds that he built are so huge and straight from his mind and so I'm just oh my god I'm so excited yeah. about this book can't wait to pick it up and it's like of course you know yeah. 700 pages so obviously I got in my book of the month box that I'm very excited to start the invisible life of Addie LaRue it's everywhere, guys. I'm seeing it everywhere. Yes. And V. Schwab is just killer, man. Yeah. I'm very excited to get started on that one. Hopefully, I'll have it finished to talk about in November. And the sequel to Bringing Down the Duke came out, A Rogue of One's Own. I'm excited to read that by Evie Dunmore. So that's something that I want to get into in November as well. Yeah, it's going to be a good rest of the year, book-wise at least. Yeah. If nothing else. If nothing else. I mean, everything else is garbage, but uh, reading should be good. And we've decided to kind of switch up formats with the rest of the podcast. Yes. Uh, for the remaining of the year, we'll, we may revisit that yes. uh, later on. We loved October so much. We had such a good time just kind of freewheeling it and just... Reading what we wanted as long Free as... Free falling. Yes. Um, we had such a good time just kind of reading what we wanted without a lot of parameters and things like that. So I think we're going to kind of open up the floodgates a little bit and we're going to try this out for November as well. Just like, just read what we want and tell you guys about it. Yeah. And we're still going to do our buddy read every month. So um, is he still going to get to pick buddy read for... November. November and oh. now that there's one in the negative column for me she's <laughs> much happier about life is that your only negative one for quite a while I think I can't remember the last one that we didn't like oh I'm gonna have to think about that because surely surely you have one other one no I have impeccable taste <laughs> And to be fair, we were both really excited about starting this one. We were. So that's that's on both of us, but yeah. mostly you. But we'll see. I don't I don't even have a clue as to what I'll pick for next month. So oh, yeah. yeah, I have no idea. I have a big long list of things that I'm like, oh, that could be a good buddy read mm -hmm. just to help me out because I have decision making anxiety. But I'm gonna have to think about it. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But yes. Moral of the story. We did not care for Frankenstein, but yeah. we had a blast reading in October. Yes. And we're excited for things to come. Yes. November's all about food, so I'm just going to kind of just read a crap ton of food books. I feel like quarantine in general has been all about food. It really has. So. I have learned how to bake bread this year. I've baked mm -hmm. cakes from scratch this year. I have just lost my mind and my, gained crap loads of weight. Yeah. My birthday is this week, and Susie made me a peanut butter chocolate cake. So good. It was yeah. kind of magnificent. It was really amazing. It had like two different types of buttercream frosting. Mm -hmm. It's so good. A ganache strip. It's unfortunate that you guys can't experience this. <laughs> I would share it if I could. <laughs> but it is magical. And peanut butter chocolate's my favorite combination on the planet. So it's good times. Yeah. But yeah, we will catch up with you guys next week, hopefully with lots more books to talk about. Yes. I'm going to read my little butt off this week. Do it. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>
we always have the best of intentions. I feel like on Sundays we're like, yes, we're going to read every day. We're going to kill it. We're going to do so much. And then we're like, Friday, oh my gosh. I only read 12 pages. <laughs> um, I feel like everyone feels that. And it's it's probably like reader's guilt that everyone feels. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a lot of discussion as far as the Goodreads Um reading goals people are like why are we setting these goals mm-hmm. that are in, end up stressing us out but i i look at it as a as a score to beat like when the gps says we'll arrive by this time <laughs> they're like no i can do better yeah i i also think of it as like well i mean i read this many last year like let's beat it by 10 mm-hmm. and what that's what got me in trouble mm-hmm. last year like last year i was gonna read 110 because the year before i had read 100 mm-hmm. and i learned very quickly that is not how i work no. um and this year i'm struggling i'm not even gonna break mm-hmm. 90. So i think also we have changed jobs we mm-hmm. have less downtime in in our in our social lives so i think that makes a big difference too yeah and then also like so many people thought they were going to take advantage of quarantine and read just the hell out of everything mm-hmm. when it's really been the opposite like yeah. so many people are just flat out not reading because there's too much going on and stressed and yes. it's just yeah there's a lot of things going on too many things kids are at home mm-hmm. um it's chaos so no reader's guilt we want no. no one to have reader's guilt. No. Any just... amount that you read is fine. And if you don't read, that's fine too. And if you listen to audiobooks, that's fine too. And it's also reading. Yes. Ugh. But off our soapboxes. Yes. <laughs> we will talk with you guys next week. Yes. Can't wait to see you in November. Bye. Bye.